Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am merely Bo. Johnny Ginter is on the other end. This is, my good friend, the, the, the worst damn time in the world to live in Ohio. <laughs> and every year, the end of February and the start of March would suck the life out of you. The gray, wet, we had a day last week up here in Hudson where it rained all day, hard, yeah. like flooding. I mean, we had legitimate like flood stuff. And then at about 11 o'clock at night, it starts snowing. <laughs> and so we have like my lawn is just like a sponge that's full of water. That's what right. it is right now. And and then there's this crusty snow on top. I, I say all of that because it's I've lived in this fine, fine state now for uh, going to be 11 years. And. The one thing, and I'm, I'm, this is no bullshit. The one thing that made me feel like, okay, this is, I'm out of it was spring football. It really was. It was like, because for whatever reason, the college baseball at Ohio state is not something that a lot of people get behind for whatever reason, but spring football, that first practice it, because it, I was so busy in my other jobs covering spring football and going, you get, you get a lot of availability. You get to see a lot of practices. You talk to players a lot, talk to coaches. You really get more now than you do in the fall. So you got, you got a real chance to kind of make some evaluations of the team and it made it go by in a blink. And all of a sudden I would wake up and it was the middle of April and we were at the spring game. And it was a beautiful day and Jim Tressel's in a Hawaiian shirt or one year he's in fatigues <laughs> and everybody wins. And that to me, so to me, spring football, it's kind of like a benchmark for, okay, I'm almost out of this. And it started today at Ohio state. Do, do you have having grown up in this fine state and understanding <laughs> that you, that you have this every single year and you got to bunker in for it. Is there something that you point to and say, thank God we're almost there. Uh, well, okay. So let me, let me tell you a quick story from last year. We had an exchange student um, uh, from central Asia and she's a very nice, uh, you know, student. She was a great kid to have in the class but she had never seen snow before. She lived like on the outskirts of a desert and she didn't really understand yeah. these massive changes in, in weather that we really have, uh, you know, as these seasons change. And um, I told her, I was like, look, okay, there's going to be, it's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. It's going to suck. It's going to be awful. And then there's going to be a week where you're like, wow, it's beautiful. We're wow. done. I'm going to wear t-shirts and, and, you know, and shorts and I'm going to go out and I have fun. I'm going to the zoo and it's a trick. It's a lie. It means nothing because the next week is going to go right back to being cold, miserable, probably going to snow. And you're not going to understand what just happened. You're not going to understand the cruel trick that was just played on you by the universe. And look, I know a lot of people get super high for spring ball. I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a trick. It's a tease. It's, it's nice to hear. We That's get about a month. We get about a month of awesome kind of these stories, these speculative stories. And then I feel like there's that long, dark off season that you go into and you don't even really know summer. Yeah. But you don't even really know if, if what we talked about and, and what we were investing so hard into, especially in a year like this, when you've got a quarterback, you know, competition, all that, yeah. if it was really that meaningful. And so I never know how much to invest in what we see on spring practices and, and, and maybe this year's different maybe because it's, it's so open in a lot of ways uh, it means more, but I just, I, I always feel like it's a trick. Like you yeah. can see all this stuff happen in the spring and then come fall. None of it means anything that we certainly there's no doubt that the spring game's a trick. I mean, yeah. no, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, yes. That's, that's really nonsense, <laughs> but 
Um, there, there's some heavy lifting obviously that's done. And I do, I don't disagree with your assessment that it is a trick. Uh, it's like a guilty pleasure movie, right? I mean, it's just, this takes up my time until it's April and we can, you know, go play golf or whatever you do in April. And and when the sun's out on the, on a more regular basis. Um, now today's the first day and some interesting comments. Um, you know, urban, how urban manages this quarterback thing is going to be just really fascinating because I was thinking today we were doing the television show and I could not remember, I was trying to think of an off season at the quarterback position where there was this much uncertainty. Yes. And you know, initially you say, okay, 2015, Bo, they were a quarterback. No, no. I knew either way they'd be fine. Like they managed it really poorly, but both of those guys were capable. And if they would have just went with one of them or the other one that season from start and stuck the whole way and not wavered, that season probably would have ended with a second national championship. It didn't, but the talent was never anything you were worried about. Both were proven commodities. You knew that Cardale Jones, if he got every snap, was going to be great. You knew J.D. Barrett, if he got every snap, was going to be great. You didn't have to worry about that. So then I started to think, you know, what about Braxton Miller coming in as a freshman? But that was the year that Terrell Pryor got thrown out of, thrown out that summer. So Pryor was in spring, you know? I mean, we still had Terrell Pryor. Like, you know, there was no thinking that Braxton Miller was going to play right away. Johnny, I could not think of a spring this uncertain. Now, there will be people who will remember. Now, I started covering this team in 2007, so I don't have the knowledge of, like, the late Cooper quarterback battle, early Trestle quarterback battle, Zwick-Troy Smith battle stuff. I don't have any of that. In in but But it has to go back that far. Because yeah. we don't know about these guys. Uh, Dwayne Haskins Jr. has looked great in moments. Joe Burrow has looked pretty good in less moments. And Tate <laughs> Martell's an entire in a, a complete wild card. And Urban said today that they're going to try and give all three of them a shot. He said he was actually more nervous about center than quarterback, which is an outright lie. And I'm not saying he's <laughs> nervous about quarterback, but it's completely uncertain. I mean, there's no certainties. I think it'll rejuvenate Urban to a certain degree. But I also think I couldn't pinpoint a, another one quite like this where there was so much unknown i think that's a really interesting point because I'm, tr- I'm trying to think back about how the progression of that worked out i mean maybe in the transition after troy you had a little bit of that that um, would, would have to be it i wasn't here then but the zwick uh troy thing the well, or the so troy here, here's what, what i'll say about troy that. zwick after krenzel the thinking was that zwick was the guy right wasn't that the thinking and then troy yeah. just basically forced his way on the field that's what I want to say because I wasn't here then though. Justin Zwick wasn't a known commodity, but he was such a huge recruit and people, you know, he had the pedigree and everybody Mm -hmm. thought that he was just going to be gangbusters from the start. I don't think anybody was looking at Troy Smith as a potential starter at that point. I mean, at the beginning of that season, it was Justin Zwick or bust. And then when he just didn't, you know, have the goods, then people started to look at Troy Smith, but uh, that wasn't, I don't think people were uncertain about how that season was going to start at the quarterback position. I think pretty people were pretty much locked in. They didn't know how yeah. good he was going to be, I think, overall, but there wasn't, I don't think there was any doubt in the spring that he was the dude. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's an, a very interesting question. I think uh, certainly since like a true Myers wide open, time. right? You know, Johnny, like a complete wide open unknown. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, no, they, I, I don't, suppose it's, it's been Beckman, a very long time. Maybe Todd replacing Troy, like you didn't know exactly, right. but Todd was a, fifth year junior i mean it's not like you didn't know him <laughs> you know he played right. and he's been around it wasn't going to be troy but i don't know it's it's a so to me i mean how that's handled 
Urban alluded to something too that he said, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not quoting exactly, but he said something like to the effect of we have a we owe one of these guys an answer by the end of this. You know, oh, clearly sure. referring to Joe Burrow that, you know, if he's not in the in the race, then they need to let him know so he can graduate in the spring and go play for two years for Luke Fickle at Cincinnati or wherever he wants to play. Right. Um, so he alluded to that. They know they're under a time crunch here. I, I don't think that this is just business as usual as usual. Today, you know, this is day one, so who knows? But today, all reports were that basically all three of them kind of like split the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to imagine that in their head, they know kind of the pecking order and how this is going to go. And my gut feeling on it is, is that it's it's certainly Dwayne Haskins Jr.'s job to lose, that he's the clear front runner. And I think of the of the two behind him. My guess is, and I love Joe football. <laughs> he's I think he could be a hell of a college quarterback. But the Martell gamble is a bigger gamble. Yeah. If Martell doesn't get snaps, if Martell doesn't get a real strong look in spring, if Martell's not viable, you know, in the fall, he can transfer. He has no loyalty to Ohio State at all. Um, he's not from here. He doesn't, you know, I mean, he, his loyalty is that he signed here and he likes the school and so forth. But if he's not going to see the field this year and it's, you know, some sort of pecking order of Haskins, Burrow, Martell, he's third string again for two right. more years of doing like, is that kid really going to buy into that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know him personally. I'm just guessing um, that he probably wants to play. So this is a high stakes game of poker that Urban's going to be playing with the position over the next month. Well, the other thing that's interesting is that you got to think about how the personnel matches whatever scheme they're trying to run, right? I mean, if you're well, talking about, <laughs> you know, the difference between the kind of player that Tate Martell is versus Dwayne Haskins, like it's it's night and day. Like these are completely yes. different guys on the field. So. That's right they don't just have to decide who's going to be the starting quarterback. They have to decide what their offense is going to look like. And I would assume that they've done a lot of discussion about that over the past several months. And they've, they've tried to come up with an idea, but like, are they going to identify the best quarterback and try to build the offense around that? Or are they going to tell whichever quarterback they trust most to run that offense, that that's going to be the guy because those two decisions have very different answers at quarterback, in my opinion. So I I'm, yeah. I'm more interested, I think, in, in what kind of scheme they think they're going to be running and, and who they're going to run the offense through, because if it ends up being a really run heavy thing, then, you know, maybe Haskins doesn't have to worry about picking up all these other things that, you know, a guy in a read option might have to, but um, I don't know it, that, that to me is what's really going to be interesting to see how they develop that in practice and, and how they scheme it out. You bring up a good point because it's also critical. You, It's not just picking a quarterback because it's two different ways of going about your business. Dwayne Haskins, as we've all seen, is much more Cardale Jones than JT Barrett. Um, so you can't run that. J you saw what you got to run the offense. And by God, you've got the running backs to do it. You got to run the offense. You ran the three games to win the national title with Cardell. That's the offense you got to run. You mm -hmm. can't be running this read option nonsense. So you're, that's a great point. There is that is an incredible variable that's going to have to get sorted out over the course of the next month. And um, for me, it's, it's going to be something that gets me to April. So I, I certainly look forward to that. <laughs> um, still to come, ask us anything. Also, Tom Deanhart of the BTN is going to join us for a little uh, Big Ten chatter. But first, we're going to talk some hoops, some Buckeye hoops as the regular season and the Big Ten tournament is in the books. We will do that next. But before we do, we do encourage you to visit the 11 Warriors Dry Goods Shop for shirts, hats, stickers, and more dry goods. Warriors.com. All right, Johnny, the basketball bucks went to MSG. If a, if an Ohio state basketball team goes to Manhattan and plays in the most famous basketball arena in the world, and it happens on a Friday night and they lose for the third time to Penn state, does it really happen? 
<laughs> Does anybody see? Does anybody there to watch it? Did it really happen? Honestly, like we're gonna lose three times to Penn State. I mean, I don't I want mean, it to happen. Look, I thought that was ridiculous, no, but you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's the kryptonite, right? I mean, they Penn State's the kryptonite. Tony Carr's great, and you know, he this time it was you know it's twenty five points, I think six assists, five rebounds, or something like that, and it was the assist that was the dagger where Ohio State, you know, they. Penn State runs the play and it works for the switch where Dockage is on car and instead Ohio State comes to double and there's a slip and um and it's a layup for the game winner. And so Ohio State's one and done in the Big Ten tournament. I think it's I think it's really bad for a lot of things. Um, I think number one, this is a team that didn't play in the tournament last year, and playing in that type of atmosphere would have helped them as they prepared for the NCAA tournament. It's one more day that they have to sit and wait. I mean, they're not gonna play, they couldn't, they might not play it for two weeks. And that's a, that's that's never good. That's never going to be good. And no one can spin it to me that it is. You're supposed to amp up at this time of the year, and basically they're going to have an extended training camp. So that's not good. I think there's going to be boredom. They're going to have to fight off. The other thing that's not good about it is Michigan won the Big Ten. And yeah. I think that will affect Ohio State's seating. Uh, you know, aside from our own dislike of that school, it, it's that's that's not good because Michigan obviously leaped Ohio State now in the seating conversation. I think Michigan played themselves into one of the t- 16 national seeds. They'll be a top four seed, and they'll get some favorable draws with that. They're also going to probably play a closer venue. And I think Ohio State's either a five or a six, and I think they're probably going out west to probably San Diego or Boise. And I think they're going to have to play a team from that part of the country and closer to their home. And it's I don't like the look of it at all. Um, it, they have a lot to overcome. This was this was. It's not just a third loss to Penn State. It's not a doldrum. It's not you know, this season sucks or anything like that. It's just, it's about as bad a thing that could have happened, did happen when it comes to looking ahead to the, to the NCAA tournament for Ohio state. Yeah. They've kind of, they've had a rough two or three weeks here and losing to Penn state, especially on the last possession like that is, is rough. It's really bad. And you're right with the Michigan thing. I don't, I mean, I, I, my biggest worry is, is pretty much your worry is that the time off, I mean, you really want to build momentum going into the NCAA tournament. You just, to sit there and kind of stagnate for a little bit and not really know where you're going and not really having something to build on as you go into that hurts. I think it it, it does not uh, make it easy to just jump in across the country against an opponent you have no knowledge about um, to just try to go out and win that game. And, And I know that, you know, if you're a five seed and you get a 12 seed, that's generally favorable to you. But I think that also sets up really good for one of those classic 12, five upsets. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it is definitely not ideal. I am certainly not going to be disappointed by the fact that they are in the NCAA tournament after finishing second in the Big Ten. That's that's something that I don't think you can really take away from this team no, at all. It's no, no. pretty incredible. But I agree with you in that the signs are kind of pointing. like The, the, the market is trending down on Ohio State right now, and that's not great uh, going into the NCAA tournament. I'm going to tell you, you know, the other thing about it is, is from a, a big-picture perspective, um, you know, what Holtman wants to do is, what he, you know, you want to build momentum. And this program had all sorts of momentum in January and early February. And if they go one and done in the Big Ten and they go one and done in the NCAA, you're going to tend to forget, I think, some of what happened. Right. And that'd be a shame. So, I, you know, those would be the worries for me. I'm, I, was, I was looking at bracketology. Oh, ESPN, I have it pulled up right now. Right now, for example, right now, Ohio State is a five seed playing out of Boise against Middle Tennessee State. Right. That's brutal. <laughs> and then if they win, it would be Texas Tech or Buffalo. 
uh, just to kind of give you an idea what you're dealing with. The other 12 seeds out there, uh, Louisiana, Murray State's a 13. So, you know, that Baylor's an 11. UCLA, Alabama's like an 11. Uh, New Mexico State would be another one potentially. Uh, Texas, USC, uh, Loyola, <laughs> Chicago, Vermont, Arizona State. Um, it's it's a tricky spot. Um, you know, you'd hate to be like a six seed playing Arizona State out of San Diego. You know, I mean, that would just be a dreadful spot for Ohio yeah. State. I think Ohio State will probably end up with a mid-major. But it's important, I think, for Holtman. Now, now that you have the quick exit in the Big Ten, it's going to be what have you done for me lately? And for him to have momentum going into the offseason and into recruiting and into all of these things, I think it's really important that they at least win a game in the in the NCAAs, you know, just to give them a second game, get used to that, you know, go play a game, sit a day, play another game, kind of go through the process, the media throng that surrounds the NCAA tournament. All of those things would benefit the young players on this team who are all going to have to lead next year, right? Because the the leaders are gone. So there's guys who are going to have to lead and figure it out. And and I think they would have really benefited from another day in the Big Ten tournament tournament in New York. And I think they certainly would benefit from at least one win in the NCAA tournament. So it's a tricky spot they put themselves in. And it's a little more than just, oh, another loss to Penn State. It's, right. I, I think the reverberations of this will be felt. Yeah, I think Ohio State has to win a game that they're favored in. I think when you go to the NCAA tournament, if they're the lower ranked seed or the higher ranked seed, rather, they need to they need to win. And I, I think that's important for the program. I think that's a statement that Holtman needs to make. Um, just to, you know, kind of say a little bit that Ohio State's back, that they can take on that burden of being the favorite and of you know being a marquee program again. I just I think that's symbolically a big deal. Um, I you know it absolutely. Is. I don't expect these guys to go to the Final Four or no. even Elite Eight, but, but they I still could. You- I mean, that's what's crazy about this team. Like they could. They could go to the Elite Eight. They could yeah. go to the Sweet Six. I mean, that's in play. But the draw got so much harder. You yes. Know? I mean, the difference yeah. between being a five or six and heading out west and being a four and playing out of, you know, out of Detroit or Pittsburgh or Nashville is the difference. You know, it's a world of difference. Right. So, I mean, and that's one of those things. I mean, it's it's you can control that by winning in the Big Ten tournament. And in lieu of that, you've got to kind of step it up and, and show some things. And, I, you know, I want to see guys like Kata and Cam and some of these other guys. I, I want the older players on the team to be able to show some stuff in the NCAA tournament, something we haven't been able to see, by the way, in a long time <laughs> with Ohio yeah. State. So I just – I don't know. I'm excited about this, but I am also yeah. really hungry for a, a win. And getting out of the first round would be a really great step for Holtman and, and that program in general. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. I And we'll, you know, coming up next, we're going to be joined by Tom Deanhart, BTN. Um, we'll ask him all these questions in terms of year one from the Buckeye program. Also some NCAA stuff for him as well. And still to come, ask us anything. And please don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter, rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Joining us now, one of my favorites, Tom Deanhart, BTN, senior writer for the Big Ten Network. And uh, you spent some time in New York, uh, before we get to some of the specifics on the league in general, let's let's talk about the Ohio State season in totality. This is a tricky spot for. I mean, this is a miracle season. This is a team that's picked 10, 11, 12 in the Big Ten preseason, whatever it was, and uh, you know they end up finishing second in the league, and yet you have this albatross kind of hanging over you with these Penn State beats you three times, um, <laughs> including one in the Big Ten tourney, and and now Tom, my goodness, they could go two weeks without playing a game. 
Um, and that, and they're, they're probably going to go somewhere out West. This is, um, this is a, could be a tricky spot for Chris Holtman, the, the way that this season could potentially end up for him. Yeah, you're right. Um, usually you like to get a bad taste out of your mouth and want to play right away. And obviously, like you said, for Ohio state, they're going to have to wait a while before they shoot up and play for real once again. So not ideal to go one and done like that in New York city. And, uh, yeah, you know, they they have a lot of the good components you like for a team that can maybe make a run with a superstar player and nice guard play. But, again, this idle time, you just don't know how it's going to impact a team like Ohio State. Well, let's talk about that idle time because, you know, Jim was, you know, obviously candid that it, no coach wanted it. Um, we know why they did it. We know what you're trying to do in Madison Square Garden and uh, what you tried to do last year in D.C. I, 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 for full disclosure, and anyone who listens to this regularly knows, I'm an Indianapolis guy. I mean, I think it's just the best in all circumstances to host the Big Ten tournament. It's the right place to do it. I understand why you'd want to spread your wings. You've now gone to Washington and saw the tournament there. You've seen it at MSG. Um, what What are your impressions kind of of, of doing this, um, and including this year factoring in the fact that, you know, you're going to have to sit for two weeks? Yeah, you know, that wasn't ideal. I think that really did hurt a lot of teams this year. You guys obviously saw the the uh, impact that had. Some teams playing, what, three games in like a five- or six-day period on some occasions. Not ideal. Um, you know, ever since Delaney announced that we are going to add Rutgers in Maryland, um, he said he wanted to, quote-unquote, show the Big Ten lived in the East. So he wanted to take some events there. And, uh, of course, this was unveiled, I remember, like May of 2014, they're going to go to Washington and New York. And uh, I guess I don't have a problem with it. If it's not done on a regular basis, and I don't think it's going to be on a regular basis, I think we all know Indianapolis, Chicago, are the epicenter for the the Big Ten. And those are going to be the regular spots. But, again, I, I expect the conference to sort of branch out. How often? Maybe a couple times a decade. And you guys probably saw Delaney even mention Philadelphia as a possible point. So, again, um, it's going to return to the East at some point, but, again, Chicago and Indy will be the anchors. And I will say this, too. I thought the atmosphere was pretty good in New York, especially on Saturday for that Final Four. I thought the crowds were pretty representative as well. So it was a fun sort of change of events and a nice experiment. And, again, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes forward. Real quick, so there was a good, Saturday was good because the stuff that I was seeing earlier in the week was it looked like a lot of empty seats, but uh, you know, I heard that there know, was again, a sellout Saturday. Yeah, your Twitter, Twitter was all over that, and uh, you know, I, you know, it's a Wednesday. You have the four worst teams playing, starting at two thirty in the afternoon, right? And the crowd, the crowd Wednesday was pretty similar to what you would have gotten in India or Chicago, you know, and Thursday. If it, were, if it was fewer than you would typically have gotten in the Midwest, it wasn't by much. And then by Friday and Saturday, okay. the crowds were pretty good. Uh, they're, they're, you know how it gets people up posting pictures and, and making yeah. fun and wondering what the league's doing. And I, the crowds were definitely better than they were in Washington last year. I tell you what, there's just a lot of alums out there. Michigan, Penn yeah. State, um, you know, Ohio State's got quite a few too. So, uh you know, it is what it is, and uh, the conference, like I said, wants to show that, indeed, it's not just a Midwestern conference anymore. 
So can I ask you this, for especially from a layman like myself, uh, we, we watched Ohio State have this great season that a lot of people didn't really expect. But they go in the Big Ten tournament, they lose to a team they'd already lost to twice before. Is that just something about the matchup with Penn State themselves, or is that a sign of bigger problems within the Ohio State team going into the NCAA tournament? I think it's just got to be that matchup. And every team seems like it has somebody who's their kryptonite. Uh, I guess the one thing that disappointed me for Ohio State was the fact that, you know, Mike Watkins, Penn State's best big man, was hurt, wasn't even playing, and they still were able to get physical with Ohio State and find a way to win that ball game. So, so that was disappointing. Um, so again, um, I wouldn't read too much into it. Like I said, everything in basketball was just down to matchups, and that Penn State team just not a really good matchup for Ohio State. So that's the hard, you know, you look at Penn State's overall resume. And now as we look at the, you know, the big picture of the league, um, you know, I, I thought Penn State needed to win on Saturday as well. You know, they needed another, yeah. you know, they needed to have something else. And it's weird to me because I watch them play and I go, God, they look like a tournament team. Um, but, the, yeah. you know, you look at the resume and you say, you know, they just, they probably didn't do enough to do it. And so here's this league that, you know, is one of the best. And you're probably going to have, you know, four teams in, which is kind of a low number. But they're all probably going to be five seeds or better. I think Ohio State's on the five-six seed line. Um, how, do, how do you assess the, the Big Ten's chances? And then, uh, as a as a follow up to that, do you think that the time off will hurt the league uh, with the selection committee? We've seen this in football, where the, whoever plays last, Ohio State itself has benefited from this with the Big Ten football, uh, where they play the last game of the day and they get a kind of a bump. It seems from the committee. Do you think not being out of sight, out of mind for two weeks could hurt the Big Ten on Selection Sunday? I guess I don't think so. Um, first of all, I don't think these conference tournaments end up impacting your seed that much anyway, unless something really extraordinary happens where a team makes comes out of nowhere and wins your conference tournament, obviously. But I, I don't think you can really hurt yourself or enhance yourself a whole heck of a lot in these league tournaments just because the Big Ten is early. I don't think that's going to impact those uh, the seedings for for the league. Um, and like you said, uh, you know, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Purdue, obviously are in. Um, I think you know some people think I don't know how you guys feel about this. Um, could Michigan have the highest seed of anybody in the Big Ten? Um, could they get up to the two line? I, I guess I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I think Michigan State has a chance to stay two. Purdue maybe a fringe two maybe a three, Michigan, maybe a three, and then I consider Ohio State a five. So um, not a lot of teams, but a lot of quality. And quick trivia question. <laughs> tell, me the last time, tell me the last time the Big Ten won the national championship. Oh, well, are we, are we counting vacated championships that default to Ohio, to Big Ten teams or not? Um, well, the, the, this, the, this last time, the last time this league won it, it wasn't vacated. I mean, uh, no, I'm not talking about Michigan. Yeah, yeah. You know what year it was? Was that 2008? 2000? 19, Somewhere in there? Yeah, 99. Yeah, 99, yeah. 2000 yeah. season. Wow. Yeah, the Flintstones. Think about that. Think about that. 18 years. Think about that. How's that possible, years. Tom? <laughs> How's it possible with well, the quality know of coaches that were in this league, you know? I'm not saying this is a, the reason why, but I'll just go back and look at the NBA draft the last decade. You know, again, I'm not saying that's the be all end all, but it gives you a pretty good idea of the talent distribution. The Big Ten, 
I mean, honestly, ask yourself this the last 10 years. Who are the best Big Ten players in the NBA? D'Angelo Russell? I mean, yeah, there aren't many. Draymond Green would probably be the best. Would probably be Draymond Green. Would probably be the he, best he, Big Ten. He, he, he was even a first-round pick, was he? Oh, no, no. He was a second-round pick. He was a steal. I mean, we knew it. Those of us that covered him, we knew who he was. But for whatever reason, the NBA didn't know what position he was going to play. But all he needed was you know somebody with an imagination like Golden State to say, well, we're going to play positionless basketball, and he thrived. But he's probably the best. And your, your point is spot on. Um, you know, the, the really the last – you know, Greg Oden was the sure thing before the injuries. I mean, he was the last yeah. Goliath in recruiting that was landed by this league. There haven't been those. I mean, it's a great point. There hasn't been there. You know, Indiana, Indiana has been Indiana for 20 years. Michigan State has mostly blue-collar guys. You know, Gary Harris was good, of course. He was a first-round pick, but he's not a superstar by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. No. Um, you can go on and on. The other teams, Iowa, Purdue, um, um, and Illinois. Illinois had Darren Williams. You had a nice pro career. But, again, like I said, um, there hasn't been a lot of That's that lottery-pick-type talent. Well, I think I, I think that that's got to be at the root of it. I think the conference coaching has been pretty good. So we'll see what happens this year. Like I said, we always wring our hands over seedings, and I get it. It's kind of fun to speculate. But let's be honest. <clears throat> um, after your first game, it's all up for grabs, even if you're a one or a two seed. You know, you're one seed's going to have that 8-9 team, which is pretty tough. Uh, yep. 7-10 seed weights for the two seed. So, again, everything is kind of thrown up in the air after that. And, and uh, we'll see who the matchups are. So it'll be fun to see if the conference can, can make a run. And you know what's going to happen. If for some reason the league fizzles out, everybody's going to turn around and point to that, you know, compressed yep. Big Ten schedule. They're also going to look at – and then they're also <laughs> going to look at, they're gonna look at the, the, the big gap between the league yep. tournament and the NCAA tournament too. Right, you're right. Well, then let's let's bring it back to Ohio State real quick because I think a lot of people – we talked about this on the Dubcast that this – so far, the team has obviously exceeded, way exceeded expectations. How far do you think this Ohio State team can go, regardless of seeding? Because I know obviously that's a huge deal. But but talent-wise, how far do you think they can go to the NCAA tournament? I think it's a Sweet 16 team. Now, that, that may be its ceiling. Um, they, uh, I don't know if I'm going off the top of my head, they played some pretty good teams in non-conference. Like, I think they lost to Clemson. They lost to North Carolina. Um, some pretty quality teams. Uh, um so they've gone head-to-head with some ranked NCAA caliber-type teams, came up short. You know, in the Big Ten, what they went to Purdue and won. Um, they beat Michigan State pretty handily as well. So they beat some heavyweights in the conference. But I just think the, 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 the lack of overall depth, quality complementary players, maybe the lack of toughness up front, maybe some things that could maybe put the ceiling at, at the Sweet 16 for these guys. I know that may be disappointing. The fans, when you go 15-3, and three, maybe you want a little bit more. Uh, but I really think all these Big Ten teams at the top really got fat playing a lot of bad Big Ten teams all year. I think, honestly, yeah. I think everything after the first game is gravy for Ohio State fans. They get to the Sweet 16, I think people will be ecstatic. I think people will lose their minds about that. You think they would? Well, you, you know better than me, obviously. With your, yeah, it's it, been a hell of a drought. <laughs> well, you know what they yeah. made the last two years? last two years they right. made it. You know, what's funny is I followed this conference since I was a kid. And I tell you what, Ohio State basketball, I mean, has been as good as any team in the conference the last 30 years, 40 years. I mean, I'm not, that's not breaking news to you or your, 
your listeners. Yeah. But I mean, my gosh, yeah, everybody talks about IU and Michigan State and Michigan, but Ohio State has produced a lot of great players and a lot of good runs in that big dance. Yeah, they have. They they really have, and it, it's you hope that Holtman's the guy who can who can you know maybe t- at least keep it where Thad had it. Boy, God, if you could keep it where Thad had it as his heyday, then you're one of the best programs in the country. So I I would be remiss, remiss if I didn't ask you. You've been an observer of of big time college athletics for most of your life, as you mentioned, and have done a great job covering it for much of your life. I, I'm, can you make some sense to me? I, just kind of take me inside your head on all this NCAA stuff that's going on. I mean, I, I, th- I saw this report about Sean Miller at Arizona saying a hundred grand. And now I'm, Sean Miller comes out and he's doing the bill Clinton. I, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. And I'm going, God, maybe he's telling the truth. I got an FBI investigations that are, that are looking into this and everybody tells me it's all over. I got Adam silver saying he's going to make a league and he's going to go after 16 year olds who are gifted and, and try to shepherd them onto the NBA. LeBron James is talking about it. And yet I, I'm kind of inclined to just say, I kind of think maybe nothing changes. I, you know, Tom, how do you read it? I mean, it's a wild time right now. Yeah. yeah it's hard to tell, isn't it? Um, we've had some information leaked first. What was that in the fall with, the assistant coaches at Arizona and Auburn and right. Oklahoma State and Miami or whatever. And uh, then we get a little more, a little more leaked a week or so ago. Um, boy, ESPN was really starting to back off that report about Sean Miller, wasn't it? And yes. uh, I, you know, Mark Schleyball wrote it and, and uh, there, there was talk that he had Aiden confused with the Bowen kid of Louisville and on and on it goes. And it just sort of chinks at the credibility of him. All the reporting, when it gets right down to it. So we'll see that, how that washes out. I don't know. I guess I'm still waiting to really be shown heads on a platter. I've seen a lot of, you know, interesting tidbits leaked as you guys have. And I, I guess I'm still really waiting to see it happen, you know. I want, I want to see a real blue blood uh, be brought down before I think there's anything really to all this FBI stuff. We'll see. And, you know, as far as the reforms go, why not? I mean, um, kids can leave, your son can leave high school and get drafted in June of his senior year and go right to the minor leagues, right? He's that yeah. good to go to the major leagues. Hockey's yep. the same way. These are 18 year old hockey players. Why not? Why, 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 why is it so foreign, such a crazy concept to think that, that why, why couldn't we do that for basketball players, too? Why, I mean, why, why, why are they so sacrosanct? I mean, it was, I mean, you're right, it was. We know, obviously. You know, the LeBron James era, going back to Kevin Garnett a little bit, uh, um, you know, Tyreek Evans, um, and then there was that, that Sebastian Telfair kid, Dwight Howard. So, yeah. you know, why, why not? Why not create an environment? Not everybody wants to go to college. Not everybody's suited to go to college. Why have kids there that don't want to be there to make a mockery of the academic situation? So, again, why not? I mean, I, again, it makes no sense to me. And it's nice to see maybe the NBA being a little bit proactive about it and trying to foster an environment like that tom thanks for your time this was good and we really do appreciate it love your writing and uh, love everything <laughs> you do and we, we thank you for taking the time hey i like i like uh i like your site too fellas you do a good job i i appreciate you having me on and, and stay in touch and i'll come on anytime i can help you out all right welcome back to the program time for ask us anything we do it at the end of the show Every single week. I did. I only got one. In the two years you and I have been doing this, I've gotten one Ask Us Anything, and so that's it. So now they're on you again. God willing, Alvin's there for us. <laughs> Alvin came through. The, the medicine yes. got to the children. 
um it's we're all good the the, the gold has been panned from the bottom of the river uh <laughs> alvin <laughs> alvin's got a couple questions for us um so this first one here is if you have one current or former buckeye player to be your children's nanny who would you choose and why well that's he now <laughs> so this well, is I honest, the this honest question. answer would great. be Caitlin Diebler would be the honest answer, which is John okay. Diebler's wife. She was a, the cap. I think believe she's a captain of the Buc- Buckeye cheerleading team. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't specify that it had to be a football or basketball player. Men's certainly didn't specify. Um, Caitlin Diebler would be my choice. Um, she was an intern of mine. She's a phenomenal human. She would be great. If I have to pick a player like and like if the caveat is I know that they will survive. Um, I would choose another former intern of mine, Tyvis Powell, and I would allow Tyvis to take my boys and just let him have a good time in Cleveland. I think Tyvis Powell would mold your kids into the coolest kids, like possible. Well, no, I agree, and I think he his heart's enormous, and I think like they would have the best time ever. Yeah, with him, like I think they'd have the best time ever. So those would be the two that I would pick, but, but Caitlin Diebler could, Caitlin Diebler could come to, she could be like a full, she'd be ready to go right now. That's how solid that chick is. Well, I actually, I skimmed over this. Alvin did specify Buckeye football. So I'm glad you mentioned, uh, old Tyus Tyus would be my guy. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's a guy I follow on Twitter that I think would just, he, he mentors younger people. And I think he would just be extremely motivating, uh, to a Ginter child who, you know, the Ginter family kind (laughs) of, We, we slide towards lax sometimes. So I think he would be very much. I think LaCharles Bentley would be the kind of dude yeah. who I want to just get my kid in the weight room, yell at him, you know, get him motivated. I think that's, yeah. that's who I would go for. So he's a solid citizen. LaCharles is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's, with, and that's the impression him. I get from, uh, from Twitter. So I'm all about that. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is another one. This is, oh, this is actually, this is from Andrew here. So thank you, Andrew, for, uh, for writing. And this is a morbid question from Andrew. <laughs> Uh, right. He says, if Ohio State football was given the death penalty or otherwise disbanded mm-hmm. tomorrow, do you think in time you could ever stomach to moving on to rooting for another college team or would college football be dead to you forever? Mm, I mean, I I would. Be, I don't have, you know, it's different for me because I don't, you know, it's not something I was born into. It was something, it was an acquired passion for me. Right. So I, I probably, I, you know, I found myself, this is a weird thing, but I found myself because of being in, in the biz, in the journalism business, TV, radio, whatever, for so long, I found that I, my fandom is pretty much gone, um, that I still consume it at an incredibly high rate. But in terms of and maybe just as I've gotten older and had kids, I've realized it's not the most important thing in the history of the world. But I think sure. a big part of it is what I did for a living for so long. And so a lot of my fandom is gone. So I would still consume it at an incredibly rapid rate. Um, and I would probably pick another team that I kind of would root for, I guess. Um, but it would be, I mean, that that's, that's a really, you said morbid. That's the right word. Like <laughs> brutal. I wonder like what would happen to the city of Columbus? Like people say like the economic impact of LeBron James coming into Cleveland <laughs> is in the bill, like a billion dollar economic impact, his return to Cleveland for downtown and the surrounding area. Like what's yeah. the economic impact of Ohio state football, getting the death penalty to the city of Columbus? <laughs> I think you know, I think Columbus would start pushing for an NFL team or something like that. Would well, they're be... done, they're not going to get one though. Like, think about how oh, crippling no. that would no, be. No, they never would. But they think would... how crippling that would be to that city. Like, if Ohio State got the death penalty, or God forbid they ever hired the wrong coach and they just sucked. Like, if they yeah. went five and six, you know, 
Can you right. imagine? No, I I can't. The whole, I the don't whole want thing to. That makes me sad. <laughs> That's terrifying. I don't know what yeah. I would do. Like I, I mean, if if Ohio State of all of a sudden was wished out of existence by some kid in a cornfield or something, um, I. I would probably migrate to another team, but kind of like in a joking way, you know, like it's not something I think it would really invest my time in. Um, I would probably like ironically, semi ironically root for Northwestern and be like, Oh man, Northwestern. But I don't think I would be emotionally invested in any of that. And I get emotionally invested in Ohio state football as silly as that is. It's just something I can't avoid doing. Um, So I don't, I don't think there would be a replacement Uh, either that I would focus. I would lean super hard on my, cincinnati reds and and Bengals fandom which is you know waning yeah. by the year so That's right you just push it somewhere else that attention you'd, you'd use right. it for something else you know civil war reenactments maybe <laughs> yeah i'd be no i could do that i've been to a couple of those i had some students yeah, trying to get me involved in that and i i declined because of my 11 warriors responsibilities so <laughs> yeah i think that i think you'd thrive at that like a real organizer of one of those yeah well it's it's a legit yeah. thing i mean those people i know I, it's you know, legit i've seen them they're incredible they, the amount of time spent on that, I would really like to see some crossover. I mean, and I've actually, and this is an aside, but I actually told Jason, especially with the the first Ohio battery that we've got for the Columbus Blue Jackets, off-season articles about the Civil War, you know who to turn to. Like, there's a guy right here who can ramble incessantly about the Civil War and their connection to it. So um, well, I, I you would may say that, that I would look forward to that. And I hope you do, in all sincerity, I hope you do that. Um, and I will look forward to reading it because it's an incredible topic and you're very well versed in it. And, um, and I would very much, uh, I would, I would hope that your first, your very first article would be dispelling the myth of Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee as the gentleman general. And, um, <laughs> oh, I would be I mean, more than happy to do that. I would, I would, yeah, I think that, that, that be, ought to be, that ought to be your first one. That ought to be the yeah. first one. <laughs> I would be more than happy to do that. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's Ask Us Anything. We got a couple of All other right. Ask Us Anythings that I've uh, unfortunately overseen or, or overlooked in the past. Yeah. We'll definitely get to those next week. But it, please continue sending those in at 11Dubcast on Twitter or Dubcast at 11Warriors.com. All right, buddy. We will. Uh, that's it for this week. We will talk next week. We'll have a selection Sunday to look back upon uh, and a second week of spring football. So good stuff ahead. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, bud. Yep, talk to you next week.